fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for this time of year, Lord, to understand just a little bit more about how much you love us, Lord, how you came as a child to save us, Lord. We thank you for that. Lord, we ask that you would bless this service today, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts through these words, Lord, that we would apply these words to our own lives and allow you to change us for what you would have. Lord, I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Before we begin, if you would just take a couple of minutes and uh, greet those around you. We have not done that yet this morning, so let's take a few moments and just greet one another this morning. A couple of uh, prayer requests just to uh, remind you that you would be praying. Uh, tomorrow, I'll be having the funeral service of Robert Spots. So the, I know the Spots family would appreciate your prayers in that situation. And that's tomorrow. It's a private uh, fu uh, funeral service. And then the interment, Lord willing, later on in the year, we'll have a service to, a memorial service for Robert where we can honor the Lord Jesus. But tomorrow, just a private service with uh, family members. And then on uh, this coming Saturday, Saturday morning, in fact, from 9.30 to 11, will be the uh, coming and and sharing with the family, visitation, if you will, of Dawn and, and the boys and the passing of their dad and husband, Troy. And then at 11 o'clock will be the service here, a memorial service here for Troy. So we'd appreciate your prayers for those families as obviously during this time of year, it's not very comforting, is it? But we can take great comfort in knowing of where they are right now. I have another announcement, too, that is not so easy to give, but it needs to be addressed. For the past couple of months, there has been some vandalism in the men's bathrooms, both here at the main floor and also down near the fellowship hall. 
We don't know who's doing it. We're not accusing anyone. But I think that seeing that this is God's house, what has happened in those restrooms are disgraceful. And so please, parents, we're asking you, if you would help to intervene in any way that you can, we'd really appreciate it. Let me give an instance of what has happened. In the men's room down at, near the fellowship hall, there used to be a shelf in there. Now that was ripped off the wall. And um, around the, um, the toilet that was there, uh, someone has put their footmarks on the walls. So please, if you would uh, help us out. Again, we're not accusing anybody, but somebody has, has done that. And uh, quite frankly, uh, I, I believe that to be very disgusting. So please help us out, if you will, parents. And uh, we'll see if we can't uh, bring those restrooms back to what they should be to the honor and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, enough of that. Another difficult announcement is this. What do I share at Christmas time that you haven't already heard? Y'all wouldn't mind if I just said amen and let's go home. <laughs> See, all of you adults were thinking that. But um, thank you, my dear. Thank you for. Uh, I suspect that's going to happen on the 26th when they all want to go home. But this year, I, I looked at a study that I believe from the scriptures are very, very valid. I've entitled this series for the whole month of December, A Marvelous Christmas. This Sunday, we're looking at the marvelous mystery, the revealing of the promises of scripture. One of the dynamics that helps us to understand worldviews is the understanding of what is truth. Every worldview has an idea of what truth is. They make it in their, their declaration. But what is truth? It's a question that Pilate asked Jesus in the next season that we'll be celebrating at Easter time when Pilate said to Jesus, what is truth? Let me give you a, a quick definition of what truth is. Truth is divine, defined as that which agrees with and accurately describes that which is real. Truth is defined as that which agrees with and accurately describes what is real. The truth of laws and nature described for us that if you were to jump off the top of this building, you're going to fall. Unless you are equipped with a wings and whatever, you will fall. You take a pen, drop it, it will fall. It does not 
float. That is a truth. That is a law. Today is Sunday. It's not Monday or Tuesday. No matter what anybody else will say, it is Sunday. That is a truth because it accurately describes what is real. The sun is shining today. Can I get an amen? You can't say the sky is brown because it is blue. That is a truth. And so when we come to the word of God, we have to find and have it defined for us what is true. What is truth? One of the most uh, difficult things for non-believers to wrestle with is the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. They say, how can that be done? Well, the passage that Pastor Steve read for us tells us exactly how that came apart. That was a miraculous action of God through the Holy Spirit to allow for the birth of the Savior to come through Mary. That's a truth. And so this morning, I want to give to you at least six passages. It's not all of them, but what all of the passages have in common that I want to share with you this morning, except for one, which is in the book of Genesis, but the ones in Micah and and in Isaiah happened 500 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. When you look at the ones in Genesis, you're talking about 1,200 years years before they took place in the life of Jesus. And so what we're looking at literally is the revealing of mysteries. Of the 28 times that the word mystery is used in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes 21 times about them. To him, It's a very important topic, the mysteries of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul writes, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1, Paul refers to the mystery of God's will. Then in 1 Timothy 3, this is just three of the ones, it is the mystery of godliness. Mysteries. What is a mystery? Well, a mystery is defined as a truth that God reveals, which was at one time unknown to man. A mystery. So when we look at these passages, I want us to see this morning the wonder of the mystery of the fulfilling of Scripture as truth. Take your Bibles and let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Your Bibles will not get rusty and old this morning. We are going to use them. Genesis chapter 3 is the first instance where the promise of the Messiah was mentioned. Genesis chapter 3. Specifically looking at 
verses 14 and 15. It says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity. There is going to be a battle. And the battle is going to be between you and the woman. And between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head. You shall bruise his heel. The story is not new to you. The account is not something that you've not ever heard before. But what I want you to realize is this. There's a mysterious promise there. I doubt that Eve understood exactly what God was saying. I suspect that even the forces of darkness had no idea as to what God was declaring here. But the reality of it is this, and it's being played out even in our eyes this year, is the fact that there is a battle going on between the forces of darkness and the Lord God of heaven. And so when Jesus was saying that there is going to be a battle between the woman's seed and the seed of the serpent. Now fully, the seed of the serpent is not just in reference to unbelievers only. I literally believe that the reference is also to the one who is yet to come, meaning the false Christ, the antichrist, the one that is described for us in the book of the Revelation. Talk about a mystery. Nobody knows who that individual is. Volumes have been written concerning the very fact that individuals believe that that individual is born and is presently on the earth. That I don't know. But I will know this and I will proclaim this, that all that is happening in our world today, I believe, is the Lord is allowing it to set the world up for the reception of him whomever he is. So when it comes to January, the second Sunday of January, I am going to preach to you a sermon entitled The Spiritual Dangers of COVID. The Spiritual Dangers of COVID. We all know the physical dangers, but I want to focus on the spiritual dangers. And so this battle has not yet fully come into being. But we do know that in Genesis chapter 3, specifically in verse 15, the promise is of an individual who is going to come and literally crush the head. It says bruise, but I want to tell you something. The, the, the Hebrew word can be also translated to be crushed. That Jesus Christ one day, someone help me, talk to me. Jesus Christ one day is going to crush the head of the serpent. Do not get discouraged. Understand, we've read the last chapter. We win based upon what Jesus Christ has done for us. But how was this fulfilled? That's the issue. If this promise 
was given at least 1,200 years before it was fulfilled, where in the scriptures is it fulfilled? Well, let me give you three places. We'll look at one, but let me give you three places. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. Then also in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. And lastly, 1 John chapter 3. And verse 8. Of those three, I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. See, I'm giving you spiritual exercise this morning. Galatians 4 and verse 4. Galatians 4 and verse 4. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a what, everybody? Born of a woman. Born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons, born of a woman. Now that's the problem for the Jewish nation. They want the Messiah to come as a reigning king. Well, one day he will. Read Revelation chapter 19. He will come. But they weren't expecting a baby. But in order to fulfill Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, Jesus had to be born as a baby from the seed of the woman. And in due time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. The other two passages, I will allow you to peruse them. Hebrews talks about Jesus coming and dwelling with those whom he came to save. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, again, it talks about Jesus coming as a child. That's the first one. The promise of being of the offspring of the woman. The mystery, if you will, of the promise of the Messiah. He would be born of a woman. The second promise is this, is that in Genesis chapter 49, 8 to 10, that he would come from the tribe of Judah. Now, why the tribe of Judah? That's the tribe of kings. Kings came from the tribe of Judah. They ruled from the tribe of Judah. And some argue, well, why wasn't Jesus coming from the tribe of Levi, the priest? Well, that's because in Hebrews, it says, it tells us in Hebrews chapter uh, 3, chapter 4, excuse me, chapter 4, that he's from the order of the priests of Melchizedek. Totally different priesthood 
than the Levitical priesthood. He came from the priesthood of Melchizedek. Uh, maybe someday. Maybe Christmas next year. I can preach on that. But no, he came from the tribe of Judah because he had to be born in the line of David, who was king. Now let's turn to Genesis chapter 49. I know we're going back and forth here. That's okay. Maybe you're dusting off pages of dust that you've not seen in a while. Genesis chapter 49, verses 8 through 10. This is the chapter whereby Jacob is blessing his sons before he dies. And he says in verse 8, Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people. Judah was the tribe from which Jesus would come. How is that fulfilled in Scripture? Let me, let me give you three places. Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Hebrews chapter 7, and verse 14. And Revelation chapter 5, verse 5. Turn with me to Revelation 5. Verse 5. We've gone from the first book to the last. But you'll notice they're going to say the exact same thing. Revelation 5 and verse 5. Remember in Genesis 49, Judah is referred to as a lion tribe. Notice what it says in Revelation 5 and verse 5. And it says, But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. When you go to Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, the lineage or the genealogy of the Lord Jesus begins with a highlighting of the fact that he came from the loins of David, who was the king. Now you have to understand that the book of Matthew was written to the Jewish nation. And they were important because David is king. They remembered David as being the high king, if you will, of all Israel. And so Jesus' lineage comes from the king. One of the great promises of the Messiah 
is that he would come from the tribe of Judah. Now, why are we looking at these particular promises? Well, you don't need to turn there. Just take my word for it. Turn to it later. Mark down Deuteronomy chapter 18. You go to Deuteronomy chapter 18, Moses is literally giving the last instructions for the nation of Israel before they go into the promised land. Their 40 years of wandering is just about over. And in chapter 18 of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses warns them about false prophets and what they have to say. And he says, you can differentiate between a prophet of God and a prophet of man by what they say and does it or will it come to pass. Any prophet that speaks as they say, of God, and God's, number one, it doesn't match the truth of God, and number two, God doesn't perform it, it says that individual is to be killed. And so when we look at these promises, what literally is being fulfilled is the very words of the great prophet, our God himself. This is his word. If Jesus was not born the way that he was born, if he did not come from the tribe from which he was to come from, then God's a liar. Now you got to go to the book of Hebrews, and there's two things God cannot do. He cannot lie, and he cannot change. So we are literally reading the prophetic word of God concerning his coming son 1200 years before it happened God said it's going to be this way now let's come a little bit closer 500 years go to the book of of Isaiah I'm going to go down to, to the fourth one there Isaiah chapter 7 Isaiah chapter 7 where you are going to look at the promise of being born of a virgin Isaiah chapter 7 Let me prelude this by asking you a question. If you could ask God to do anything, what would you ask him? Nineteen sixty-eight Corvette <laughs> with the biggest German shepherd sitting in the passenger seat you've ever seen in your life. No? But that's exactly what chapter 7 of Isaiah is about. There's a battle that is on the horizon. And the king of Israel doesn't know what to do. Should we or should we not go to war? And so notice what God says. In verse 10. Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask for a sign for yourself. Ask me. Ask me what you want. I'll give you a sign. Oh, all of you that are spiritually seated this morning, you would say the same thing Ahaz did. Oh, I can't do that. I can't ask God anything. Oh, really? Even when God said, Go ahead and ask? 
Maybe that's why Jesus says you have not because you ask not. Oh, God, he's too spiritual for me to ask for these things. Oh, really? God said to Ahaz, go ahead. Ask me for a sign. I'm not going to ask you for a sign. I'm, I'm, uh, verse 13. Then he said, hear now, O, Israel, o house of David. It is a small thing for you to weary men, but you will also weary my God also. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. The classic passage of that particular fulfillment finds itself in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 23. And also Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 35. But Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed or engaged to Joseph, before they were married together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. 500 years before this particular event that we just read in the book of Matthew, that was the sign that God gave to the nation of Israel that there would be a virgin who would bring forth a son and that would to be the victory cry that they would win the war against three kings that were coming against them. The promise of Emmanuel coming for us, dear people, is there is yet a greater war that is coming and he will be victorious he has already conquered the war of sin but he's going to come and conquer the very forces of darkness and cast them now someone's got to help me with this cast them into the lake of fire it's over we have a king God with us
And that's what individuals who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, that is what they struggle with. How can Jesus be God? Well, let me give you a verse, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. God, who at sundry times spoke to his people, spoke to the fathers through prophets and angels, but at this time he has spoken to us through his Son, Jesus Christ. Let's go back to number 3, Micah chapter 5, and verse 2 through 5. Now you all go into the index trying to find out where Micah is. Well, if you hit David, or if you hit the book of Daniel, keep going to the right. You'll come across the prophet Micah. Micah chapter 5, verses 2 to 5. But you, Bethlehem, Ephratah, Though you were very little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Therefore he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. Then the, remain, the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God and they shall abide. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth and this one shall be peace. Jesus is recorded not only in the scriptures of Luke and in Matthew chapter 2, Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2, excuse me, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But it's also recorded, you might remember, as we made mention of Josephus, a first century historian, who also in his writings concerning Jesus said that he was born in Bethlehem of the Virgin Mary. An extra, if you will, source of truth from a historical perspective said to be correct. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Why? Because he is from the house and lineage of David. Bethlehem was David's city. It's a place where David would have known. And because Jesus is from the tribe of Judah and from the family of David, he was born in the king's hometown, Bethlehem. Last one, as our time flees from us, last one, number five. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. It is the promise 
of being of the line of David. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. There are some particular worldviews that are saying Jesus has already come. And I'm saying, where is he throned and throned in Jerusalem? Hasn't happened. Hasn't come yet. Oh, but dear people, one day his key is coming. Let me give you the verses that will help you to understand this. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1. Luke chapter 1 and verse 32. Acts chapter 13, verses 22 and 23. Let's look at the passage of Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, 22 and 23. The Apostle Paul is in Antioch in Pisidia and he is preaching in the temple and he says in verse 22, and when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will from this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior, Jesus. Jesus. Like I said before, these particular truths may very well not be new to you. You may have heard them in many days gone by. They say now... Back in the day. But what I wanted to do this morning is to show to you from the scriptures how the prophecies of God concerning this one named Jesus would be born. And to realize that what we hold in our hands, on our laps, in front of us in the pews, known as the Bible, is something that we can trust because everything about the birth of Jesus that was prophesied about came true. Oh, but there's another day coming, dear people. A day that, that even eclipsed December 25th. Wouldn't it be great that if Jesus would come back 
on December 25th and call us home. What a great gift. What a great gift. But it may not happen this year. It may. I don't know. But there is one more time when Jesus is coming. And he's going to call us home. And then seven years after that, he's coming to put his feet on the Mount of Olives and rule as king in Jerusalem. Oh, do you know him? That's the power. And to me, that's the joy of Christmas. When, when you're shopping and getting ready and, and, and getting all those things you, need, you think you need to get, it's nice to be able to walk in the store and say, oh, you ran out? Oh, that's okay. I know Jesus. One time when my wife and I were, were shopping, I know I've gone two weeks, two minutes over, but that's okay. Uh, uh, I'm going to do it anyway. When my wife and I one time were shopping, we come across this young lady who was at the cash register. And, and we brought our things and we laid them down in front of her and sort of startled her a little bit. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. Did we startle you? Yeah, I didn't expect anybody. Well, I'm here to tell you that my dad owns all of this. Oh, is your last name Boskovs? No. No, my father is God through his son, Jesus. Do you know him? Well, let me check you out. That's the greatest gift, dear people of all, that Jesus knows us. Oh, what opportunities you can have to talk about people, about Jesus Christ this time of year. Especially when they're cashing you out. Isn't this crazy? Yeah. But you want to know what real crazy is? Someone who would even take the time to not even consider where they would spend eternity after they die. That's crazy. That's crazy. I tell you one thing this Christmas season, what you can do is give them heaven. Give them heaven. Let's stand as we're dismissed in prayer. Our Father this morning was more of a Bible study instead of a full-fledged sermon. But it's important for us to know and to stand firm upon that that which you promised has happened and that's what makes this Christmas season so exciting. There are other promises in the word of God that also have happened. And we will get to them later on in the coming year, Lord willing. But the one promise that we look forward to is the coming of the Savior, not as a baby, but as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Oh, Lord, may we be found ready. May we be found waiting and excited and willing that maybe even today that would happen. So throughout the rest of this week, oh, Lord, as I, I know the Christmas season is upon us, and things are getting hectic, things are getting exciting, but let us not forget that for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, 
And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Hallelujah to your name, we thank you. Bless these people this week for the glory of your name. May we sound forth the joy of why we celebrate the coming of our Savior. For it's in his name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. <laughs>